Man, well, we are jumping in today to focus on the hope God gives us. And uh, it's amazing when you consider the fact that you can reflect on something historical over 2,000 years ago, the birth of Jesus, and find a deep insight or challenge that can literally like bring transformation to your today because of the Holy Spirit at work within our spirit. Uh, regarding the Christmas story, I'm just, I'm just absolutely astounded that every year we can find moments in the story that move us. Every year the Holy Spirit illuminates something fresh within the familiar to awaken hope in our spirit. And it's a reality for any follower of Jesus if we'll take the time to walk through the story of Jesus' birth. And it's something you're missing if you've yet to choose to follow Jesus. And I hope that all of us can walk out from here opening our hearts to him and the hope that he can bring. Have you experienced that before where you're like reading through the, the, the story of Christmas and you're just like, what? Oh, I never noticed that before. Or maybe as I had a conversation this week, it's a, it's a carol. In you, or a hymn, if you would, like a Christmas hymn, and you're like, whoa, like I just got that word. I've sung that over and over again, and those lyrics just made sense regarding the story. God does it in so many ways, and that's our big idea for our Christmas service today is we can experience fresh hope this Christmas. No matter where we're at in our journey with the Lord, we have an opportunity to experience fresh hope. And uh, we're going to take the time to read through the gospel accounts of, of Jesus coming. And yeah, we're, we're going to read through multiple of them. There's, right, you have the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the testimony of Jesus' life. And it's cool that we have multiple versions, like multiple gospels, because as you'll see, each of them gives unique detail. Let's start in Luke 1. Luke 1, 26, and the words are on the screen or on your app if you're using that. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how... How can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. The word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. 
And then the angel left her. Interesting when you kind of look at that text. You can easily see how, yeah, she's disturbed because she's talking to an angel, right? But you can see how this might come about naturally if you just took that account. You don't necessarily get the fact that she's, you know, she's engaged. Maybe Joseph and her are going to get married and they're going to get pregnant and like the Holy Spirit shows up to make it really special. I don't know, right? You can kind of see how it's not necessarily a virgin birth yet in this context of just that gospel. She could have assumed that it would come about of natural occurrence, right? From that Luke's account. But this is where the value of having like Matthew as well tell this story comes in. We can read in Matthew 1.18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. That's important to have both books, right? Both accounts, because she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a game changer. It's a game changer not only in her pregnancy, because the Messiah was to be born of a virgin, but she was also supposed to be in the lineage of David, right? And who is that dependent upon? Joseph. Joseph is in the line of David. So this whole marriage thing had to continue. We're going to continue to read. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Wow. This was a huge game-changing revelation. While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. And here we are. Like, we can read it in 2018 with 2018 years worth of perspective and go, okay, yeah. I mean, you can read right past this moment and miss the depth of what's going on here and all that depended upon them staying together and her becoming pregnant as a virgin and all these stories have to come into line for the weight of this moment to be grasped. Like becoming pregnant at her age outside of wedlock was a death penalty in their day. And at best, you're cast out of all relationship in the town and you're a disgrace, you're unclean. And by the angel showing up to Joseph, this story became his story as well. This was not just Mary's story. This was Joseph's story. It becomes very personal. And sure, people were going to talk People were going to count on their fingers and go, is that baby, what? You know, they're going to get judged. They're going to live through that. Not to mention, he had heard of this story 
before within Scripture. They had both learned of this in their education. They knew there was a prophecy. And not only did they know it through school, the angel reminded them of it. They had heard this. And how in the world could they have thought that this would be their story? Luke 2, 1 continues and says, At the time of the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Man, what a story. How can we experience fresh hope this Christmas through these stories? Well, our first thought today is we choose Jesus as new or different hope. As a new or different hope. One of the definitions of fresh, as our series has been called Fresh Hope that we've been talking about for three weeks now, is, is fresh means new or different. So if we could experience Jesus with a new or a fresh hope, maybe another word would be awakening. What if we awakened hope within us this Christmas? As a light coming on within us, you know, this like hope illuminates. The light is everlasting that's within us. In fact, you know, I don't know if you've started probably you have started replacing all the light bulbs in your house you know with these that guarantee it'll last for 22 years this light has lasted for over 2,000 years the light of Jesus will reign forever will live forever we've got this promise this is incredible that this story still illuminates within us today your current hope may lead to disappointment if it's not Jesus your current hope whether it's your job or your Christmas bonus, Clark Griswold, right? You know, whether it's whatever that current hope is that, that is there, if it's not Jesus, it could lead to disappointment. Even if your hope is in religion, if it's not in Jesus, it's in a rule or a practice or some works that you feel you're doing, you're ready for fresh hope. It's time to follow Jesus by faith and not by work. God didn't send Jesus to live among his creation for the purpose of giving us some new rules to follow. Jesus came so he could fulfill the rule of all the Old Testament laws, all the prophecies. He fulfilled all these things in his, his life, his birth, his whole story. We could never live up to these things. And he knew that. So what we end up discovering is Jesus came to usher in this new way of grace and mercy. Jesus came to bring new and different approach to hope. Jesus came to bring fresh hope that first Christmas and still brings us hope today. Looking back at these segments of 
passages we just read, and we'll read more in a second, but looking at these specifically, Mary had to have learned about the coming Messiah in school. I've mentioned that already, but imagine learning something in school of historical significance with future implications, and then having to process in a moment before an angel, while you're terrified, right, that this is you. You're a teenage girl being told that you are going to carry the Son of God. Wow, that's a new, that's different. That's a completely new and different hope. While Joseph had also learned of this coming of Christ, this was drastically different for him. In fact, he had to have even had the thought at some point, I'm in the lineage of David. This could be me. I don't know. But we see here he obviously was quick to dismiss the fact that this was not of the Holy Spirit. I was going to quietly leave her so that she would not be disgraced or stoned probably, right? I was going to quietly leave her so that she'll be able to live but not with me until vision in his dream came about. You thought the pressure of raising kids was tough today. Imagine... And by the way, you know, I know this is your first child and you've never raised kids before and you're going to have to figure this out. There's no instruction book. And by the way, it's the Son of God. Okay, have a good day. You know, whoa! I was terrified enough to raise kids, let alone the weight of, well, what if I teach, like, discipline wrong to the Son of God? This is going to end up bad. No pressure. Who would have thought that the manger would be a beautiful imagery? Like, at that day... How humiliated could they have been? You know what I'm saying? Like they're in the lowliest of places. They're in a manger. They're like, we wrecked this whole story, they had to have been thinking, right? We ruined it. Like, this is the Son of God, and here we are giving birth in a manger. Man. But yet, today, we think that's this beautiful part of the story. New and different hope for sure. Who would have guessed when you were living that moment if you put yourself back there? Speaking of new and different, side note, I sat through two Hallmark movies yesterday. Just This is free. The first guy got the girl in both of them. It's always the second guy, so I don't know what's going on with Hallmark this year, changing things up. It's a little messed up there. Um, I love to tease my family about the unrealistic and predictable scenarios in Hallmark movies. It bothered me. I couldn't sit through one. I, I wasn't going to anyway, but I was walking through the room during one. It was like a Hallmark marathon or whatever at our house. So, and it was the like State Farm commercial Aaron Rodgers agent, like the guy in the suit. He's like, you know, um, and he was the lead guy trying to be all serious. I'm like, all I would see is Aaron's, you know, it's time to pack your khakis guy, you know. So I was laughing at that. If you don't watch commercials, that's like my favorite part of TV. Um, a story I don't share very often. I don't know if I've ever allowed my kids to hear this. They've already, those who are here today have, have moved beyond this season in their schooling anyway. I know the principals may be offended in the room. But I dropped out of the end of my freshman year of high school. Have you guys ever heard that? 
Have you ever heard that? That I like? Okay, anyway, their mouths are open, so I must never have shared the story. So, um, I did. It was a. It was a moment. It was interesting. I got to the end of the school year, and I had been attempting to. Uh, I know you're looking at me. You probably already guessed why, but I'd been attempting to model. And uh, why are you? Why are you laughing? Um, anyway, so I'd been attempting to model and act, and I was kind of getting into that thing, and I'd sent in my, my headshots and all these different things. They're hideous now. I'm glad I did not put a, a, an image on the screen. But uh, the, I, I send these in in the middle of my freshman year because there was a movie coming to be filmed in the Northwest, and uh, I wanted to get a role in it, and I got cast as an extra in it. So if, if you've ever watched uh, movies, you know, all the people in the background or even some of the side roles that maybe do or don't have a, a word to say, they're all extras and they just kind of add them in as they're needed, right? So it comes to pass that this movie is going to be filmed like a good two plus weeks before school was over. And I had to make a choice, finish out my freshman year or... Uh, take this role in the movie and I took the role in the movie I'm like like I can finish this somehow summer school or whatever and and so I ended up failing a couple classes I was the kid when I was a senior in high school taking zero period and like late period to graduate as a senior I took health as a senior anyway I was a little bitter but the uh, I was in a movie so other people couldn't say that Norm from Cheers was in it you know and and uh, Robert Stack and some other guys that ended up becoming something. And, and you had this chance. This group that I was cast in was called the Matching 100. We were the 100 closest people to the film at all times. So we're always in the background. And, uh, and then there's a chance you could get grabbed for a role. And I ended up getting cast in a role where I kill a teacher with a bow and arrow. Now, I know, really wholesome stuff from, for a freshman in high school. But it ends up being that that made the cutting room floor and didn't make the big screen. I did get paid for it. But the, uh, that was my entry into showbiz, right? As an extra. Somebody on the side. Now I have to go onto YouTube, search Plain Clothes, which was the name of the movie, and, and wait for a certain moment and go, pause. That guy with the spiky hair is me. That's all I have to go by, right? That's the only proof. And that I kept the check stub from the movie company. It was kind of a cool moment, but I was just an extra, right? Well, there's some important extras in the story of Jesus' birth. And they're just extras, but they reveal another kind of hope to us. It's the extras of the shepherds and the wise men. They're peripheral characters in the story. Jesus is the main thing. But they show us something beautiful as well. Begins in Luke 2, 8 through 20. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby regarding their flocks of sheep. They weren't regarding their flocks of sheep. They were guarding their flocks of sheep. There we go. That night... Uh, they were, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. 
The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So here's already the importance of this part of the story that had to embarrass Mary and Joseph, right? Verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. So if they were scared by the first angel, imagine that moment, right? <laughs> they're just out there with the sheep. They're going to smell like sheep because they're going to have an accident. Okay, moving on. Suddenly the angel was joined with the vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and those... And, and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel told them. The shepherds all of a sudden weren't just extras in the story, right? Like they go from just being around the birth of Jesus to being in this moment with the manger. There were also some wise men, right? This is their story in Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars as it arose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and as was everyone in Jerusalem, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the a private meeting with the wise men, and he, learned, um, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. The second type of hope or thought, number two, is we find energetic 
hope from Jesus. Energetic, what, right? But that's another, that's another definition of fresh. Energy or vigor. Fresh, fresh hope, energetic hope, reviving hope. It brings some energy and life. The hope parallels the hope of revival. When you hear of revivals breaking out in places where God just divinely shows up. When you look at the stories of the shepherds and the wise men, you see an energetic response. For the shepherds, they have this incredible moment that they see demonstrated by the angels, but then they make their way to the manger, and they go in full of energy sharing their story to everybody. And, and wouldn't you? I mean, you'd be so pumped that, like, I was a witness, like a first-person witness to the birth of the Messiah that I had heard of all of my life that we've heard of from generation to generation to generation, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and I was there. They'd be telling that story for the rest of their days. You know it. In fact, it had to have changed their world. They went back and they glorified God, it said. Here's some shepherds. I don't know what they used to do for a past. When they were shepherding these, these flocks in their fields, but now all of a sudden... They're worshipers. They're out there singing, hope has come to us tonight. Right? Divinely transformed by a moment with Jesus. Worshiping shepherds. The wise men, they had a unique experience. Having followed an astrological sign to Jesus... That messes with all kinds of Christian perspective from some, if you're a traditionalist and you're like, well, I, I grew up in church and I don't, I don't believe in that right there. That's going a little crazy. Those wise men are not wise. But no, for real, they followed this star. They weren't making that up. They followed a star and it led them. They were just following a sign initially, and it leads them to Herod, and Herod was not a good dude. He did not have good intentions. We won't read it, but, but following this, they were warned and exited in a different route for a good reason, and Herod actually had all the children under the age of three killed in hopes that he would kill Jesus. Like, this is a bad dude. He was not wanting to worship Jesus. And these wise men go from having to follow a sign to now being able to hear and discern God's presence and direction without a sign after their encounter with Jesus, where they praised and worshiped and gave offerings. What a beautiful thing. Like, they bowed and worshiped. Their experience was divine. And so you look at these experiences, whether it's Mary, Joseph, or the extras, the shepherds and the wise men. And they all come together to show us fresh hope. They all come together to show us that, man, this is a moment in time and history and space. And we have an opportunity to celebrate it. So I'm, I'm pumped that you're in town and we're able to join us today. We also made available an opportunity for you to celebrate tomorrow. I know you're going to be with family and friends probably, and who knows where you'll be in the evening when it gets dark out, but 
you can't light candles here at Bunny Lake High School. So we thought, how about we send the candlelight experience with you? So on your way out, there'll be a table with candles. I don't know if you know how many people you're going to be with. Grab a bunch of candles and the little paper things that keep you from, like, burning off your fingerprints. Yeah. And we created a 10-minute service focused around the song Silent Night and the passages of Christmas that you could push play on on the app or on a on our website, cast it to your TV, and share with your family and friends if you want to celebrate the Christmas story. I know in the Huff home we have a tradition, and we always make the kids, they've got their presents in front of them, and they're, we're torturing them, you know, we're like, we're going to pause before we open these, and we're going to read the Christmas story, and they're like, it's so long! What's the shortest version of the Christmas story we can find every year? It's kind of hilarious. Uh, but we've done it uh, every year, and we'll do it again this year. And who knows, maybe we'll put on the video so we can see. But it's the staff uh, together, and it's pretty fun. And I don't know if we're going to make available the blooper reel, too, eventually. But it, that's my favorite. So anyway, uh, it was pretty good. You'll enjoy that. But I got a question for you today. With these two thoughts, what hope do you need today? What's the hope that you need? Do you need new or different hope, or do you need energetic hope? Maybe the direction you've been going and who you've put your trust in needs to shift to Jesus today instead of yourself. New and different hope. That's why God sent Jesus in the first place, right? We can't do it on our own. We need his grace. We need his mercy, and God is for us. He wants to be with us. He wants to encourage us and show us new ways of experiencing him. He wants to be the source of our hope. So we don't have to feel the weight and responsibility of, of being the hope of our family or being the hope of our job or being the hope of our class or the school we lead or our classmates or our team. Maybe today you simply... Turn your focus from the signs of spirituality to the source. From being religious to being in a relationship with Jesus. That'd be new and different. It would also fill you with all kinds of new strength and energy. We can often put our trust in things versus Jesus, right? Man, I love to serve, or I love to give, or I love to do this. But... Those are peripheral. The purpose is Jesus. What if we back everything up to just faith in Jesus and enjoy that? Just rest in that. The wise men worshipped the sun, not the stars, after that encounter. What if we just back up and put our trust in Jesus alone? It's easy to lose focus on Jesus when pursuing deeper spirituality. And Christmas is a season to let us remember it is all about Jesus. It's not about the experiences we can have through the presence of God. And, and maybe we're trying to seek an energy beyond Jesus. No, there's plenty of energetic hope in putting our faith in Jesus as the Son of God. So let this be the Christmas where you revive your hope in Jesus. And that's our prayer. Our action point for this week, which will really be for two weeks because we won't be back together for a couple Sundays, is this. 
Choose hope in Jesus this Christmas. The angel said to Joseph something very interesting I want us to catch. He said this, you are to name him Jesus. The angel said that to Joseph, you. Now, it was also told to Mary, but Joseph didn't know that. You are to name him Jesus. And I put the same challenge to you today. You need to follow Jesus. You need to be the one to call on Jesus. It can't be your family. Oh yeah, well my family is Christian. We go to church, a Christian church. But what, who do you put your hope in? Well, you know, we, we celebrate Christian holidays, so we're probably Christian. But, but who do you follow? Who's your Messiah? Who's your Lord? Who's your Savior? You'll find him in a manger. Jesus, the Son of God. God initiated relationship with us because he's for us. He loves us. He wants a relationship with each of us individually. So we must choose to put our hope in Jesus today. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you today that hope would invade your life and that you would choose to follow Jesus. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you at Bonnie Lake High School today. We have this opportunity to come and open up the story that is unfolded of Jesus' birth, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Though it's over 2,000 years old of a story, you are alive and well today in us. And you illuminate the moments that allow our faith to be fresh, our hope to be fresh today. And God, I pray for those in this room that need to cross that line of going from knowing about Jesus to following you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, if there's those in this room that need to choose to follow Jesus, may they simply invite you into their life and say, Jesus, I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. I want to put my faith in you, not religion, not spirituality. I want to follow you, Jesus. As Lord of my life, I put my hope in you. In Jesus' name. And for those, Lord, that need their faith awakened, it's easy to get distracted and maybe seek things above and beyond you, Jesus. But I pray for a revival spirit. I pray for a faith awakening in this room that we would turn back to you. You're the center of it all. And that we'll embrace this expression of love for us, God, that you sent in your son, Jesus, Savior of the world. Thank you for this. Thank you, God, that we can celebrate this freely and openly. We worship you in Jesus' name.